Hey there, welcome to the Lead Bold Podcast, a place where we engage in incredible conversations with amazing leaders in ministry and ministry partners as we encourage and challenge one another to live fully into what God is calling us to be. Each episode, we'll dig into three questions. One, what is hard about being a woman leading in ministry? Two, what is one transformational or even trajectory-changing lesson you've learned about leadership? And three, what does it mean to you to lead bold? We're about to step into a conversation today with Sarah Bentley, who is the Associate Care Pastor at Twin Lakes Church in Aptos, California, which is just outside of the Santa Cruz area. And she is just, man, a tour de force, wearing multiple hats and overseeing um, a varied amount of of different ministries under the umbrella of care, different uh, age groups, different directives, different needs. And we've been so inspired with what she has to tell us. So Andrea's going to share a little bit more, and then we're going to jump right in. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Lead Bold Podcast. Today, we're in a conversation with Sarah Bentley, who has some very practical wisdom to share with you about your inner critic. You know the one, the one that's telling you you're not good enough and you didn't do it right and other people would be better at it than you. She shares with us how to tame that inner critic and what that means for not only the way we give grace to ourselves, but how grace flows out to the people that we lead. Hope you enjoy. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. We are so thrilled and looking forward to our conversation with Sarah Bentley. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. So happy to be here. We are excited to jump in. We have lots to talk about. But before we do that, we know, Sarah, that you live in the Santa Cruz Mountain area and have been drastically affected by the fires. And it would be weird to start a conversation without at least touching base about that and sharing a little bit about how that's affected you, your family, your ministry. Um, So you want to talk about that for a second? Oh, and I forgot to say hi to Erin. Hey, Erin. Oh, hey, girl. I'm here, but I'm way more interested in what Sarah has to tell us. (laughs) Nice. All right, Sarah, what's, what's going on? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. You know, this has been a crazy season for us. Where we live is just a couple miles from where the fires are actually right now being stopped or held off at. And um, our church here, Twin Lakes Church, has been actively trying to help the community. We we housed a number of RVs for a series of days. People came down out of the mountains and parked at the church and we fed them and had showers and all of that stuff, gave out clothes and all, all sorts of things. But um, it's it's been a real neat opportunity for us to love the community in a really tangible way. But we appreciate your prayers. There are lots of people that are hurting and it's going to be a long rebuilding process, especially given the number of homes that have been lost and people that have been displaced um, and how we're going to feel those effects for months and years to come. Yeah, for sure. And you kind of in your role um, with care being such, a, I think it's part of your title, isn't it? It is. Yep. You got <laughs> yeah. it. So have you um, had to really take a leadership role in helping your church figure out how to care for the larger community? Yeah, mainly where where I have jumped in is that I oversee a number of volunteer leaders who we are equipping to go out and then minister to those out because there's so many people, you know, those of us on staff obviously can't do it all and we don't need to do it all. So we have incorporated this larger group of volunteers and leaders and just helping to equip them and give them direction as we seek to love others well in the midst of all this. Yeah. 
Well, and I know that you also, um, a big chunk of your heart is dedicated to Mount Hermon and mm-hmm. the ministries there. We'll, we can talk about that. But um, you guys all had to get evacuated. You live on campus. We do. Uh-huh. And that affected many things, including when school started. Can you tell us a little about how that was just for your family and the staff there? Yeah, well, we have a fifth grader and a kindergartner, and they were just a couple days into school when the fires hit. We're already doing school virtual, which is weird. So life is already weird. And then the fires happen, and we had to get out, and we were evacuated for 10 days. And in those 10 days, you just, I mean, you're waiting. Are, are we going to have a home to come back to? We don't know. Is there going to be a camp to come back to? We don't know. Um, so it was scary um, for sure. And we are home now. We are so grateful that Mount Hermon was spared and we feel very fortunate. We know that lots of other people are not in that same boat. Um, yeah. And, and the kids, it's amazing. Our kids are so resilient. You know, they, right. they have really yeah. done well. I think they're more resilient than we are. We carry a burden yeah. at a different level. So right. they yeah. just, I mean, I think in some ways they got a little bit of extra vacation and now they're they're ready to get back at it. <laughs> they're like, cool, but, we get to leave. And you guys are like, oh, I know. Like, I know. Cool. But we're trying to help them think through too. How can they serve and be a part of loving others on this? So they're, they're doing great. They're very sweet. Yeah. Real quick, when you guys were evacuated and not knowing, like, were you getting updates about your home and Mount Hermon? Or were you just like, I guess we'll find out when we get back? They were like Cal Fire was posting pretty regular updates. And so those would come out, you know, in emails once a day. And then we had some people on the ground here, like close to close to the Mount Hermon area, one that was able to get in and out of camp with the help of the fire chief. They were able to come in and check, you know, gas mains and water mains and that kind of stuff with um, his protection and his his okay. And so we had some information. So we were pretty sure it was going to be, it was, it was going to be all right, but you just never know. It's just scary. The whole thing is, is very, very, there's a a new level of going, all right, Lord, this is yours. This is your camp. This is, I mean, our home is your home really. Ultimately you will take care of us. So day at a time. Yeah. I think that whole phrase of you just never know is like the tagline of 2020. Absolutely. <laughs> like Absolutely. Just when you think it's bad, uh, another bad thing happens. Oh gosh, yeah. There's there's not a lot of relief this year so far. The hits just seem to keep on coming. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know as we as we as women in ministry who are leading are trying to kind of navigate that and mm-hmm. see what that means for how our ministries are changing and how the demands on us are changing. It is a big deal. I was talking to a friend just yesterday who's a ministry leader, and she was like, I literally can only address the day in front of me. Like, That's I can't exactly even right. go to tomorrow, and I definitely can't plan something a week from now. I mean, just emotionally, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think in some senses, that's a really good check on us as leaders because we tend to get pretty far ahead of ourselves. And True. there's something to be said for just being in the now and trusting the Lord for today. I'm not very good at that. I'm <laughs> I'm much better at thinking big picture, which sometimes robs me of just trusting the Lord today. So it's been a good heart check for me in a lot of ways too. I had a, um, I had a mentor at one time share with me that when the, like when things get rough, women have two choices where 
we can get hysterical, which is what I think most people expect women to do, right. or we can get historical and we can look back and say, okay, I'm looking at the timeline. I can see the checkpoints and where God has been super faithful. I can yeah. see over time and time again, where he has um, completely um, been faithful to protect yeah. and to provide. And so if I have the choice, I'm going to try and be historical as opposed to being hysterical. But you know, this year, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle, y'all. Like, who knows? 2020 is a <laughs> it's a grab bag of things, but absolutely. Seriously. pray for you guys. There's a lot going on down there. Thank you. We really appreciate it. That's such a memorable way to put that, hysterical or historical. I yeah, love that. I love that. It's really good. That's I might steal that someday. Just do it. I, I, I have. I, I, have. I did it just now. <laughs> well, you gave her credit, so. That's right. <laughs> Um, we speaking of historical, um, Sarah, you have been in ministry really like since you were a kid, uh, because your dad ran camps and was in ministry and you grew right. up at camps. And so you have a long history because you're, can, how, how old are you? Can you say? That's a very be personal. Proud of your age. No, be proud of your I age, am 31 and I am proud 21. of it. Okay, yeah. And you've probably been in ministry for 40 years, I'm guessing. Just about. Yes, Just exactly. About. Okay. Since I was 12 so, months uh, old, Andrea, I've been in ministry. Yep. It's true. It's true. I totally believe that. Oh. Um, so as you know, we always want to hit kind of three questions in our podcast. And this first one is like, what has what is hard about ministry? And, and I want to preface it with certainly um, with a long ministry history like you have, you wouldn't still be in it if you didn't feel that affirmation of call and seeing the fruit of it and feeling God's grace multiplied in your life because of it. We could certainly talk all day about how enriching it is to be in ministry. But I love this question because it really helps us get to the honest level of, and also it's hard. Right. So can we jump into that first question? And from your experience in all the different roles you've had, what are you recognizing is hard about ministry? Yeah, honestly, I think the hardest thing for me is that my inner critic is pretty loud. Uh, and I have to make a conscious choice whether I turn the volume on that inner critic up or whether I turn the volume down and allow the Lord's voice to be louder. Uh, I, I think I think I'm not alone in that. Lots of women that I talk to who are in leadership say, I'm just hard on myself. Yeah, and totally. I, think, I think for me, that's the biggest struggle. And that inner critic, you know, leads me to doubt, to doubt if I'm in the right place or if I'm being effective. Uh, it leads me to forget that grace actually applies to me, that mm. it's okay to make a mistake. <laughs> right. And I can actually learn from that. And it's God like is so good. Right. We have to, li we have to like practice what we preach. Literally. Right. We're telling everybody else like God's grace is big enough and you're, you know, he makes you enough. And we're like inner, yeah, that inner critic, that voice and the loudness, that's such a relatable thing for, for all of us. Yeah. And I think over the How years, I've learned to manage that a little bit better, but it doesn't go away. I think that's going to be, that'll be a lifelong just journey that I'm on with the Lord. Yeah. How have you learned to, I mean, I, I know you're right. It's, it's not like, oh, I have it conquered, check. But what have, what have been the practices that have worked for you to turn down that inner critic? Yeah, I think, I mean, one real practical, and this might seem super basic uh, as a practice, but just is memorizing some key verses that are, that speak truth where, you know, Satan may be trying to speak untruth. 
So truth about who I am in Christ and that it's not about my performance. It's about who he says I am, that it's not about um, <laughs> what the world says success looks like, but it's, uh, it's about how well we love and how well we care for others. So I think it's learning to combat the voices that are not true with what is true. And often for me, that comes back to, I mean, it comes back to scripture. What does Jesus say is the, is the true thing? Wow. Yeah, it's really powerful, um, almost like that mantra that we have that we're saying, you know, because we can't, you know, the Bible talks about like taking your thoughts captive and that feels so intangible. Like, how am I supposed to control that? Um, even with my daughter, you know, she struggles with kind of anxious thoughts and um, it's like you can't stop those from coming in, but you can have something to combat it. A another yeah. thing that you can say to lay over it. It sounds like you've done that with just some specific verses. That's right. You, Sarah, in what you know is the doubt. Yeah, yeah. I talk I talk often with people in my ministry about tools in your toolbox. Like what are the tools yes. you have in your toolbox that you can pull out when you hit certain challenges in life? And for me, scripture is one of those tools and you know, different scriptures at different times. That I'm and I am not a good uh, memorizer of things. I just, my thoughts are so, I mean, I'm running in 10 different directions at all times. And so I often, I have these sticky notes. I'll stick up all over the house with like whatever verse I need for this season. It's like in my bathroom and it's on my nightstand. And my kids are just like, oh yeah, there's your sticky notes, mom. The boys are going to grow up and get married and be surprised that their wife doesn't put sticky Bible verses all over the house. There you go. I know some people are probably more technical, but I'm still the old school sticky note on the, the mirror kind of girl. So no, that's, that's such a great thing too to showcase. I mean, I will say with confidence, like one of the things that I have been so blessed by is that like, from a very early age, I always saw my mom reading the Bible, like mm -hmm. I visually mm -hmm. saw it happening. Um, and by herself and like not connected to anything for show, but just like it was something that visually I keyed into. And mm -hmm. not only is that something that's great for your kids, but you know, as, as a leader, being able to lead by example, whether it's a visual cue, like a sticky note or something that you share, you know, verbally to them to say, Hey, this is a great tool for you. Um, those things are going to affect, uh, for the positive for years to come. And I, I still like, I, I learned the practice of being in the word cause I watched it happen and your boys and your staff probably learned the practice of understanding scripture as a tool because they're seeing it happen, which is really awesome for you as a leader. Kudos to you. That's great. Mm, thanks. Yeah. Um, the the thing goes more is caught than taught, right? People yeah, just step true. up even more than they hear, but yeah. Yeah. On the flip side, I might be scarring my children because when they see me um, in, you know, journaling or, or reading the Bible or having quiet time, if they try to talk to me, I'll be like, shut up. I'm having my long time with God. <laughs> you know, I, I, I probably need to temper that back. I'm all like, don't talk to me. I came in this room by myself for a reason. No. It's a holy, <laughs> we're just recognizing it's a holy time. It's a holy it's a time. Holy time. Stop Absolutely. It's a holy time. Absolutely. Um, I quick following up on sort of um well Sarah are there any other any other tools that you want to share about that or just like what has been the role of like other voices in your life like community wise Yeah that's a great question I I've had to learn over the years to choose carefully what other voices again I allow to be the loudest because there's lots of voices when you're a leader right Right. There's never a lack of voices. That's not the issue. 
The issue is what voices um, am I going to really listen to? And I'm so privileged to feel like I have such a strong group of peer friends and then also mentors who have gone before me and have, you know, they're just ahead of me on the journey and have such wise things to say. And so in those moments, especially where things get hard, and I am really tempted to just throw in the towel, going to those women who have, you know, they're a step ahead on the journey and just say, all right, pray for me, number one. And then number two, practically, how have you navigated this? And listening to their wisdom has been huge for me. Yeah, that's the having control of the voices and being intentional. Not that we have control of the voices, but I love that idea of being intentional about how loud you let someone's voice be. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, you know, we all come with like our baggage. I know it's hard not to be jealous of each other. Uh, it's hard to sometimes celebrate someone else's, you know, whatever they're doing. And so to have the voices that do truly celebrate you and they know you and they right. can affirm that God is working, even when it feels like, am I doing this right? Am I good enough? Right. And also to let those voices, uh, you know, speak correction where there needs to be correction too, because I don't know, I feel like I need that as well. Well, (laughs) don't we all? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Love it. Yeah, that's, that's so good. Inner critic, tame the inner critic for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, Moving on to kind of a different topic. um, Just again, kind of thinking historically, Erin, you really set that that's the word of the day. Thinking back historically, as you've seen your you know trajectory and ministry change and kind of what that has looked like, can you share with our listeners something that maybe was sort of trajectory shifting or an aha moment or a situation that really like significantly impacted your leadership and your ministry space? Yeah, absolutely. I think when I was young in leadership, you know, 20 some years ago, uh, you're so focused on performance, right? Making things happen and we want to be effective. And and those are, those are fine. Those are fine goals. But I think over the years, my trajectory has changed a little bit. And I feel like now the most important thing for me as a leader is to be rooted in love. Like everything I do needs to be rooted in love. I can be as effective or eloquent or whatever, but if I don't have love to go with that, love for my team, love for those we're serving, um, then all of that is just noise. Everything Mm -hmm. else is just noise. And so there's a verse in 1 Corinthians that I love in chapter 16, and it says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's that's a great summary of what I want my leadership to look like. And goodness, it does not always look like that. But my prayer is that more and more, everything I do will be rooted in love. Yeah, I find sometimes that that plays out in picking your battles isn't quite the right phrase. But when you're leading someone and you're wanting to bring out the best in them and you are sometimes needing to correct, speaking of correction, really being able to temper that with, um, are they going to be able to receive it? Is this going to be more helpful or hurtful? Is this something we can just let go because it's bothering me, but it's really not something that's going to be helpful to bring up to them right now? You know what I mean? Like kind of, I find myself as I get older, 
having a little bit more wisdom about what stuff I need to just kind of let go that might be conflict or whatever. And what stuff is like, okay, we have to have the hard conversation. Yes. Yeah. I think that (laughs) your filter, hopefully, you know, you can tame (laughs) your filter a little bit as you get older. Tame your inner critic, but also tame your your outer filter. And I feel like Man, the more I recognize how broken I am (laughs) and how much work I need and that the Lord is always so gracious with me, I feel like that enables me to be more gracious with others. Mm -hmm. And so things that I would have been really nitpicky about 10, 15 years ago, I'm not as nitpicky about now. Um, I feel like pick your battles wisely has been just a wise thing that's been said to me and that I try to do again, with my team or those I'm serving, like, obviously there are things that need to be said, but, but pick those battles wisely and realize that everybody at some level is on an uphill journey. You know, we've all got things going on and burdens we're carrying. And so coming alongside of people, even in their struggle and saying, yeah, this might need to change, but I'm here with you to help you figure out how to change it. So totally. I think sometimes we gravitate like often toward people who perform and, uh, and we, we use that word performs kind of has a negative connotation, but for people who um, kind of operate in very similar ways to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We're like naturally drawn to those people. And so when we have the opportunity in leadership to have to kind of facilitate, right, a conversation with someone who does not operate in the way that we operate, right? Um, choosing, yeah, choosing how we're going to engage and, and correct, picking what, what might be the best for them to receive. Because we might think like, if someone said this to me, this would really motivate me, but it might not be the thing that necessarily motivates that individual. And that's something I think I'm always still learning in the times where I have opportunities to work with other women and anyone in ministry is I'm still learning how I need to kind of like think deeply and really ask the Lord to intercede in prayer before even going into that conversation to say, God, like this person operates differently than I do. And I'm, it's much easier for me to lead with confidence when someone reacts the same way. How, how can I be a vessel for you in this space where I don't quite know what they need to hear? Let what I have to say fall on really, you know, welcoming ears. That's, it's always a tough thing to do. Yeah. One of the, in the conversation, even in the conversation, having, really tuning in to like where, okay, should I say this or not? Okay. We're not going to yeah. say that. Okay. We're going to, you know, it's so it's, totally. a, it's a dance. It's a beautiful dance of us listening to the spirit and knowing that the spirit knows everything that is in that other person and what is love and what wouldn't be. Yeah. And I think part of loving people well, and you just touched on this, Aaron, is understanding how they're wired and then communicating to them and meeting them that makes sense given how they're wired. Like not everybody's wired like me. And so I can't just approach everybody the way that I want to be approached. And so I just took over a a team at church. And one of my questions as I met with each of them is how do you best feel, um, you know, communicate? How can I communicate with you best? If there needs to be a hard conversation, how can I best do that with you? How do you receive that in the best way? You know, do you want to email first? Do you want me to come to your office and talk to you face to face? Do you want a phone call? Like, because everybody's awesome. so different. So figuring out how people are wired yeah. and them in that way, I think is important. That touches hey, on Sarah. it. Oh go, oh, go ahead. No, you go. You go. Oh, I was just going to say that touches on something that I think is what we're learning, obviously, today and through conversations with you is something that's really prevalent in your leadership and in a lot of women who serve in ministry, which is that intentionality, which is like, 
I am going like as a leader, I'm, I'm not going to wait necessarily for you to always have to come to me. I want to be intentional and proactive about saying, what are your needs and how can I help meet them? Because that's who our God was, right? Our right. God is a very intentional, proactive, you know, Jesus was seeking these people out. And that's something we're always trying to model in, in leadership and ministry too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great, great vision for that. Um, no, I was just going to say, Sarah, we, um, in some of our other podcasts, we kind of have this running challenge where we're trying to come up with what somebody's autobiography title would be. Yes. So I'd like, I'd like to suggest that your title is Less Nitpicky, Leading with Love. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There you go. But truthfully, though, do you think some of that shift to talking about, you know, learning to lead with love, it's almost, it's a shift from the task of ministry to the, to the people, mm-hmm. even though the task is still there, obviously we're doing the work. It's almost like that ability to shift to it being about the people. Don't you think? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And that for me is honestly unnatural. If, if I'm, for me, the task is much easier and I gravitate towards that more naturally than I do the people. And so I've had to learn over the years, the people aspect and by learn, I mean, ask the Lord to do some supernatural work in me to help me be more conscious of the needs of others and more patient and slower to speak, all of those things, because I can task it up all day long, but I don't want to, I, I don't want to totally, run over people. <laughs> yeah. I can totally relate to that in all honesty. Like I'm, I'm an, I know you're, you're more on the introverted side, yes? No, no. Are I'm, you not? I, okay, I'm okay. ENTJ. ENTJ. Oh, okay. Okay, good. So sorry about that. So well, <laughs> what I was going to say is I'm super extroverted too. And I always, I'm also like that though, where it's like, I love doing the task and it always confused me because how can I be an extrovert? You'd think I'd be so about people. And it's a weird thing because I still want to get the task done and I want to be around people, but also it's really, it can be more draining for me to really care for them, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a learned, it's been a learned thing for me. So, and I'm grateful that the Lord has been patient with me in the process of growing that in me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you first said lead with love, um, I heard, I, I don't know if I heard that phrase or if I, I don't know, that phrase came to mind not that long ago. And what I was thinking about it, which I love where it's sort of like a, a little bit of a dual meaning because it's being a leader who is loving Mm -hmm. and it's also letting love be the thing in front. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's leading as a loving person and also letting love be your leading response. Correct. Correct. And it definitely is hard. I feel like I'll get it right once and I'll be like, I got this now. Now I know how to do it. And then I'll fail 78 more times before I get it right again. You're not alone. You're not alone. I'm with you, girl. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. That's really, really good. Yeah, that shift. And, you know, we hope that part of being able to invite other people to listen in on this conversation is for those who are earlier in their ministry or who are super task driven or whatever, to be able to learn from what you, Sarah, have learned over, you know, 20 ish years of ministry is, is really in the end, it, it truly is about having the love for those that you're leading. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. What's interesting now is I do a lot of funerals as part of my role Mm -hmm. as a care pastor. And you rarely ever at a funeral hear anybody talk about how, you know, effective somebody was or how much they got done. But what you often hear is how incredibly caring and loving and relationally focused people are. And it's just, it's a great uh, refocusing kind of experience to walk through that and say, in the end, you know what, all that other stuff. It's good, but it's not the end all be all. We don't have love. We've got a whole lot of nothing. So, yeah. Good stuff. Okay. So with that, I want to move to our third question, which is super open-ended of, you know, this is obviously Lead Bold. It's the Lead Bold podcast. We are a community that is stepping into boldness as we lead. So to you, Sarah Bentley, what, what does it mean for you to lead bold? Okay, so I did a little word fun with this one, had a little word fun, and I looked up the word bold. Of course you did. Because this, this does not surprise you at all, I know. But no. there, were, there was a, a definition that I loved of bold. There's a bunch. But I one of those definitions was adventurous. And I feel like that so captures leadership to me. Because leadership is an adventure. It's this journey full of twists and turns and highs and lows and successes and failures. And an adventure, there's also a lot of unknown and a lot of needing to trust the one who's crafting the adventure in the first place. And so trusting Jesus on the way. And so I feel like leading bold for me means saying yes to that adventure and then committing every day when I get up to follow the one who is walking ahead of me on the adventure. So that, that was my, that was my thought as I, okay. Yeah. That's- Beautiful. I kind of feel like now it has to be like leading with love, say yes to the adventure. But I do love okay. being less nitpicky as well less, for your autobiography. Less nitpicky, leading with say love yes to the adventure. Yes to the adventure. Amazing. It's a super long title. I'm just going to let you guys come up with the title. And when you've got it worked out, just send it to me. And then we'll. Okay. We'll and then you'll that. write. Then you'll totally. write. Totally. Right. Yes. Okay. And we'll write the okay. book. Yep. <laughs> no. That's do you so think cool. that? Um, so I, I don't know the answer to this. Do you think that because, do you think that part of why that adventure word is resonating with you is because of kind of growing up in like the camp environment and it being like so fun and just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. What, tell us more about why that word resonates with you so much. Yeah, I think it very well could be. You know, I hadn't even put those two thoughts together, but I think also I... I love the idea of something bigger than me. (laughs) I need something bigger than me because I just get tired of myself and my own thoughts sometimes. So I'm like, oh goodness, I hope there's something larger than me. So I think the idea of adventure is just inspiring to me because I want there to be something grander and um, I don't know, bigger to walk into and walk towards. So Yeah. Yeah. What do you say to that woman who's listening who, you know, fear and um, control can definitely be big things that we all struggle with. And it's tied to the doubt Mm -hmm. because, you know, we want to have control because we, we doubt ourselves and we want it to work out well. Right. But what do you say to her when that idea of adventure can sound so intimidating and almost counterintuitive. Like I'd, I'd rather step into security, which we all know that is not ministry. What would you say to her who could be challenged toward 
the adventure of leading bold? Yeah, I would say just be willing to take the next step. I think we get so intimidated by the big picture or how grandiose the idea of adventure sounds when really I think all Jesus is asking us is just be faithful to take the next step. So waking up each morning going, all right, Lord, what do you have for me today? I mean, that whole idea of praying, you know, give me my daily bread. So give me, Lord, what I need to take the next step today and then to get up the next morning and do that again. And that makes the huge adventure more doable because we're just conquering it in little chunks with the Lord being the author of what those little chunks should look like. That is awesome. I love that. And you know what? It brings us full circle to historical versus hysterical, because as you take those little steps and you keep doing it and you keep saying yes, then you're building a path behind you that you can look and you can see God, how he has been with you and kind of helped you, has led you into what that adventure is. Yeah, I think that idea of remembering that we keep coming back to the historical idea of remembering what God has done and the things that God has asked us to do in the past and when we have stepped out and we've seen him be faithful, choosing to remember those moments is so important. We have this huge old pickle jar on the top of our refrigerator <laughs> and on it is the word remember. And we have the kids, all of us, we write down moments in time when we have seen God be faithful. And so it's filled up with all these colored pieces of paper. And when stuff is tough or we're tempted to be like, I don't know what the next step is or where God is going, we pull that jar down and we read through the ways that God has just faithfully led us to the next thing in the past. And that is such a grounding exercise for me um, and I think will be for the rest of my leadership journey, probably for the rest of my life. A pickle jar is the coolest Ebenezer stone I've ever heard of. That is great. This idea nice. of, of kind of setting in a, a physical totem uh, and of what God has done and remembrance of when yeah. he's been faithful when it's, you know, I think for a lot of women in ministry um, and for life in general, I think as things approach, we consistently feel like, oh gosh, like I have to take on this next step. And sometimes each of those things feels new and it, it, it separates us sometimes from looking at God's word and looking at women in, in scripture, looking at people in scripture who are real people who God worked in their lives and recognizing that God has done this for, for all time and that he's yep. got you too. And there, and not only has he done that in the life of Ruth, he's done it in your life last year, last month, last week. Um, and he's continuing to do it. So man, time to, time to empty out my pickle jar. I love that idea. <laughs> and I think it's a real possibility that pickle jar can also be in the title of your autobiography. So let's keep spinning that and figure it out. So it's, well, it's Sarah, great. Oh, yeah. I was yeah, just going to say, sure yeah. Be in there. Oh, absolutely. It's like yeah, leading with love. Say yes to the adventure, how to be less nitpicky. And how to um, the, let, the magic then, of the pickle jar. The magic of the pickle jar. Yeah, <laughs> lessons from the pickle jar. That's great. I'm pretty sure uh, that would take up the entire. That's a really long title. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep workshopping that. We'll okay. work. Fantastic. When you've got it worked out, you just email me, and we will go from there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sarah, so good to talk to you. Your your wisdom and honesty just about the 
the volume of the inner critic, the volume of the voices in your life, um, and just that trust in saying yes to the adventure is so rich. And I'm so thankful that we got time with you today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, ladies. What a privilege. I loved it. Thanks for, thanks for the gift of time together. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. And thank you guys for tuning in today and listening to this great conversation with Sarah. Just an incredible time to hear from her heart and the ways in which God is really moving in her ministry. We ask that you would partner with us in continuing to pray for Twin Lakes and for many of the other churches and folks in that community that are being affected by natural disasters during this time. And as always, if you'd like more information about us, about our organization, and the ways in which we like to support women in ministry and help women grow into what God has called them to be, you can find all about us at leadingbold.org. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.